Well, good morning. I just want to keep celebrating George. I actually want to hold George, so. <laughs> uh, my name is Angela Reese. I am one of the pastors here. And later this week, I will be on my way to Pennsylvania to spend a few days with my family. Uh, we have big plans to celebrate my mom's birthday. We have a niece and nephew graduation that we're going to celebrate, and we are going to shower our grandson-to-be with all the baby love. It is going to be a whirlwind of a trip, and I am so looking forward to it. And one of the things that I look forward to when, I, when my family gets together is all the stories we tell while we're sitting around together. Um, a family gathering would not feel complete unless we shared a handful of all the same stories, right? Like all the ones that we've already told and heard a million times. Like the time my sister cut the tip of my finger off uh, while we were making a four squares box with duct tape. Okay, we were supposed to go camping, but a storm was rolling in. We were all packed up, and my mom was like, we don't know if we're going. Go find something to do until we know what's going on, you know? So we did. We went, and we decided to make a four squares box with duct tape, but we needed scissors. And so we went into this copy and paper office by our house, and we asked them if, they could, if we could borrow theirs. And this lady that was working in there just handed us this old pair of heavy metal scissors. And the next thing you know, there is blood squirted all over a white van in the neighborhood. I still have the scar. <laughs> um, we tell all the camping stories. We tell the stories of playing video games on the old TV that needed to be smacked a few times to work right. Uh, we tell the story of um, the times my sister and I pretended that we were gymnasts and used the powdered laundry detergent to chalk our hands and swing on the water pipes in the basement like they were our uneven bars, right? And, you know, sometimes we sit around telling these stories and my mom hears them and she just shakes her head like, man, I am so glad I did not know then, you know? <laughs> and, and our kids, they, they sit there with their eyes wide and their mouths open and they laugh with us and they're like, you did that? Like, that really happened? You know, and, and we've started to tell their stories too. You know, like the time my daughter did a cartwheel down the steps at my brother's house because my son dared her to, you know? We were all wild. We were all wild bunch. And my guess is that you do this too, right? Like whether with family or friends you've known for a long time, you probably retell all of your stories in a similar way, helping each other to fill in the missing pieces and, and crack up laughing at the same punchlines every single time. And what I began to realize, and maybe you have too, is that we tell our stories for a reason. It's not just because they're funny or we still enjoy picking on each other, because we do. It's not just because um, we like laughing together, although we do, right? Those old familiar stories remind us of our life together. They remind us of who we are and why we love each other. That they are stories that are important to the history of our family. And our church family has stories like that. You know, we have families that are unique to Providence as, as we seek to help those who are disconnected from God and the church find hope, healing, and wholeness in Jesus Christ. There are always stories unfolding at Providence Church. And then there are stories that include all the people of God, right? We tell the story of creation. 
And we pick on Adam and Eve, even as we lament that their actions separated us from God. We tell the stories of Abraham, Moses, and David, stories of dry bones and fiery furnaces and big fish that swallow people, stories of fear and courage. But most importantly, right, most importantly, we tell the stories of Jesus. In the book of Acts, we learn of a man named Philip, and Philip loved to share the stories of Jesus, especially to the marginalized, you know, those pushed to the edges of society. He was a leader in the early church, and he took Jesus's commandment to go and make disciples of all nations to heart, right? He took it seriously. So Philip was in Samaria doing just that, preaching the good news of Jesus and healing people. When an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. This Ethiopian man, a man of high social standing, um, was, was on a holy pilgrimage, it seems. Okay? He had traveled all the way from Ethiopia to the holy city of Jerusalem, a round trip that would have taken him about 90 to 120 days to complete. You know, because he was seeking after the heart of God. Somewhere along his life journey, he had learned about the God of Israel and wanted to worship him in the holy temple. And so full of hope and expectation, he would have made that journey, right? He would, and he would have arrived at the temple in his chariot, ready to worship, only to be turned away. Because according to the law of Moses, eunuchs were considered ritually unclean and prohibited from entering the temple to participate in worship. The one place that should have welcomed him in turned him away, you know, but we see that he was not deterred, right? He wanted a deeper understanding of the word of God. So there, there he was in his chariot, headed back home, reading aloud the words of Isaiah. The spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it because God is going to make a way for people who earnestly seek after him. God will make a way. So Philip, prompted by the Spirit, doesn't just walk, right? He runs. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? 
Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Now, the passage of scripture that he was reading from in Isaiah is actually part of a song. It's actually part of a series of four songs in Isaiah known as the, the servant songs or sometimes known as the songs of the suffering servant. And collectively, these four songs paint a beautiful prophetic picture of Jesus and are among the most important passages in Scripture in the Old Testament that we have to understanding Jesus and God's rescue plan for his people. The Israelites, right, are, were God's chosen people. And we heard last week how God parted the Red Sea and saved them, right, rescued them out of Egypt. But after a few hundred years, they were in a different place in life. They had turned away from God and distanced themselves from God. You know, and God was disappointed in the way that they chose to live their lives, just going through the motions of all the religious rituals. They went to church. They made their necessary sacrifices. They observed the holy days and ate all the right foods. They appeared to be honoring God, but they actually worshiped a lot of other things, put a lot of other things over God in their lives. And their hearts, their hearts were calloused and closed toward people. Instead of helping to raise people up and care for them, instead of having hearts of compassion, they held them down and participated in discrimination, right? They were oppressive and violent and arrogant. They treated people very poorly. And I know, I know it's hard for us to imagine what that kind of life would be, right? Hard for us to imagine that kind of world. No, it is uncomfortably familiar. It is uncomfortably familiar. So Isaiah the prophet was called to speak up ring some alarm bells and challenge them to turn back to God, to give all of their devotion, all of their worship to God, not just go through the motions, but really live a life of love. But they didn't listen. And because of that, God sent them into exile. And this is a hard story. You know, it's hard to hear, but it's an important story for us. It is our history as the people of God. They were in exile for 70 years, and while they were there, they became the oppressed ones. They were under the rule of people that didn't have mercy or compassion for them, who were violent towards them, and their experiences softened their hearts. They repented, and they turned back to God and cried out for God to save them. And what did our compassionate God do? He made promises to save them and gave them songs of prophecy to sing when their spirits were low because he wanted them to hang on to hope when they felt discouraged. The servant songs taught the people of God that love was on the way, a savior was coming. You know, a savior that would establish justice, not in the way that the people thought it would happen, you know, he wouldn't be a mighty king in the way that they thought a strong, mighty, valiant king would be. Right? He would be gentle and lowly 
still valiant, but he would suffer. He would be beaten and wounded, and not just for them, right? Not just for them, but because of them, because of their disobedience and human nature to wander away from God. But motivated by love, he would be faithful in his suffering. And because of that love, he would not only be a light and savior to the nation of Israel, but to all nations forever, forever. 700 years before Jesus' birth, these things were being prophesied about him. His song was already being sung, right? His story foretold. Much of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection we learn about in the Gospels can be read as a fulfillment of the servant songs in the book of Isaiah. And Philip, he knew them. He knew the songs. He sang the songs. They lived in him. And because they lived in him, he was able to hop up into that eunuch's chariot and tell him the full story of Jesus. Tell him how every word of those songs and prophecy were true and what that meant for his life. He was able to tell them that because God so loved him and the world, that God gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And he believed. He believed in God's love and mercy for him. He believed Jesus sacrificed his life and defeated death for him. He believed it. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my baptism? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. You know, last Friday night, we had about 200 women gathered in this room for a night of worship, centered around the theme of belonging. And Philip shared this story of Jesus, and the Ethiopian was so moved by belief that he asked to be baptized on the spot. You know, baptism is an act of belonging. This eunuch who thought perhaps he would always be on the outside of Jewish faith looking in, never fully welcomed because of Jesus, was able to draw near to God in worship, near to the throne of grace, and be fully welcomed into the covenant community of God's holy people. All morning long, we will be inviting people up here that are saying yes to covenant membership at this church, yes to baptism, because someone told them the story of Jesus, and they said, yes, I believe that crazy story. I believe it, right? Yes, I believe that the most important story in history has the power to become my personal story, right? And we will celebrate with them, right? And there will be a great rejoicing. It is important for us to share the story of Jesus. It is important for us to share it because when we don't tell the story, we take it for granted. 
When we don't tell the story, we lose sight of its power. When we don't tell the story, we forget the joy. We forget. So why do we not just tell it? Why are we encouraged to sing it? Right? Our scripture for this series is Colossians 3.16. The word of Christ must live in you richly. Teach and warn each other with all wisdom by singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. My husband came across a meme that said, I believed in God as a kid because I always felt so moved during worship at my mega church. And then I went to a One Direction concert and felt the same thing and realized I just like live music. And I think we all have felt a similar feeling, right? But it's not just that we like live music. We have a creator. And what God created us to feel, what pours out of us when we're at a concert, we were designed to feel. God created us to sing and to respond to music. It's a gift. And that gift is designed to point our hearts toward something, right? And we get to choose what that something is, right? That's another gift, the gift of, of choice. But ultimately, it's designed to point our hearts back to God. Because only then does the truth of God's word seep deep into our bones, into all the crevices of our heart and mind and soul. Only then does it do its full work in you. You know, there are certain places within us that, that only can be reached by music. It's why there are so many tears during worship. You know, God is speaking to the depth of your soul. You're communing with God in worship. So we sing. We sing to open our heart to the love of God. We sing because he first rejoiced over us with singing. We sing because we have a reason to sing. Our God is faithful. We sing because we serve a God who can do the impossible. We sing to express the joy of our salvation. We sing because in spite of our circumstances, we can have hope, right? So we sing. Our hymn today is called, I Love to Tell the Story. And much like Philip, the author of this hymn, Catherine Hankey, known as Kate, loved to tell the story of Jesus, especially to the marginalized. Kate grew up in the south of London, surrounded by members of the Clapham Group, led by William Wilberforce, okay, of which Kate's father was a, a member. And powered by their passion for the gospel of Jesus and what he teaches, they worked tirelessly for prison reform, for children's education, and eradicating slavery in the British Empire. That's the environment Kate grew up in, surrounded by people that shared and lived out the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it rubbed off on Kate. As a young girl, she taught Sunday school, and as she got older, she wrote and organized Bible studies for the working women in London and had dreams of being a missionary in Africa. But during the winter of 1865, Kate got really ill. She was only 30 years old. 
And her doctors told her that she needed to stop all of her activities. No more serving the poor, no more Bible studies, no nothing. The only thing on her schedule was to rest in bed for an entire year. And during her long year in bed, because Kate couldn't share the stories of, of Jesus with people like she longed to do, she wrote 58 stanzas in two parts, just outlining her love of Jesus and the story of God's people from creation to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, right? It just poured out of her. The word of Christ lived in her richly and she had to share it. She did get better and she went on to do missions work. And three years later, William Fisher was so moved by the poem that, he, that she wrote that he, he set a portion of Kate's poem to a musical score, and, and thus this hymn was born. Okay? It's a sweet little song that I think conveys our heart and devotion to God. So I invite you to stand and sing along if you'd like to. And maybe like the Ethiopian, the words will create in you a desire to, to know more about Jesus and his love. Let us sing to our Savior.